This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. It is midweek Rico Bronia time. How's everybody going? We creep closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training, which means we creep closer and closer to opening day, which means we're almost there. Instead of just talking about baseball and dreaming about baseball during the middle of winter, we may have baseball before you know it. A lot to cover on the Rico today. As promised, we will do an extensive breakdown of the current bullpen options. The Mets have a lot of them. I put them into different tiers. And this will be like a kind of handy guide to the options at the disposal of David Stearns and Carlos Mendoza when building this eight-man bullpen, assuming that's what it looks like. So we'll spend a lot of time on that. But David Stearns did an interview the other day on SNY, and there was one thing that jumped out at me. One thing, and maybe you listening would say, Evan, this is nothing. I don't take anything out of this. I'm going to tell you what I took out of it. And that was David Stearns saying something that I wasn't sure he was actually going to say. So we'll examine it, but first, let's hear from the president of the New York Mets, David Stearns. We should be competing for a playoff spot. We should be building a team that has the ability to make the playoffs, and that's certainly our expectation for our team. Um, I believe we'll be able to meet that expectation, and we should have exciting baseball in September and October for our fans to be proud of. We should be competing for a playoff So here's what surprises me about this. That is on a, a lesser level, Rex Ryan saying, we're going to win the AFC East. You know what I mean? That's David Stearns telling me, you, and everybody listening, no matter what you think about this offseason, here's how I view it. Here's how I view this roster, the construction of this roster, and my expectations for this team. We should be a playoff team. And in a weird way, that takes balls. Because the Mets offseason, to me, has not felt like, hey, I'm going to confidently go into 2024, pound my chest and say we're a playoff team. There is still moves that can be made. Obviously, cards subject to change. But I would have expected, if you would have told me a week ago, hey, David Stearns is going to be asked point blank, do you think this is a playoff team? What are your expectations for 2024? What I would have painted which would have been a softer, kind of more conservative answer such as, well, we got a lot of young players. We're really excited. You never know in baseball. Like, I thought he was going to give us what a lot of GMs and coaches and managers do in this town. They try not to raise expectations. They don't. And so to some Met fans, they may look at that comment and say, well, what the hell does that mean, Evan? Who cares? He thinks they're going to make the playoffs. I think that said a lot. I think that said a lot about what he expects from this roster 
what is considered a successful season. And really, it's different than the way we view it. You know, if I asked Met fans, most of you guys listening right now, do you think this is a playoff team in 2024? I would think that most of us would say probably not. I don't think it would be a definitively, we suck, we're going to lose 100 games. I don't think most Met fans feel that way. But I would think most Met fans feel similar to me, which is, hey, they have a lot of questions. If they get a lot of really good answers and things break right, maybe they win 85 games, they make the playoffs, and you never know. That answer from David Stearns was a, hey, the bar is the playoffs. We expect to make the playoffs. And so to me, I was a little surprised by David Stern saying that. Hoff, your reaction to that? You take anything out of the, I think we're a playoff team from David Stearns? Yeah, I think he, listen, I know that some people are going to call BS on him, but I truly believe in what he's selling. And maybe I'm gullible, but I I think that there's a, there's a method to his madness. There's a reason for everything. And we makes look at these moves and we may look at this offseason and be like, oh, this is this is terrible. Like what the hell are we doing? But guess what? You know who's been successful in the past five or six years? Who's made the playoffs every for the past five or six years in a row? The Milwaukee Brewers. You know who haven't made the playoffs in five or six years in a row? The New York Mets. Guess what the biggest payroll of baseball last year? The New York Mets and they didn't make the playoffs. So I gotta be honest, I know I keep on seeing the number 80 and a half as the uh over under. Like they're making the over. Bet me, I'm I'm on that train, and I I fully believe that David Stearns is going to get the Mets at least competitive enough to be closer to a playoff spot than they were last year. You know, it's funny we were talking about this in a very different context on the radio on Evan and Tiki, and that was when you're far away from making the playoffs. So I was using this the context of the Jets. The Jets haven't made the playoffs since 2010. I'm aching just to be in the divisional round. But eventually, if you get to the divisional round year after year and you lose year after year, you talk about firing your head coach, whether you're the Dallas Cowboys or you're the Philadelphia Eagles or you're the New York Yankees. I long for the day where we're sick and tired of losing in the divisional series because for us, making the playoffs every year would be such an accomplishment. And to your point about David Stearns, I know it's the National League Central. I understand it's a smaller payroll and it's the new era we live in. But as general manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, they made the playoffs four consecutive years. That is not something this franchise has ever accomplished. In fact, forget four straight years. How about three straight years? We haven't accomplished that either. So I know that if it ends the same way it has for Milwaukee, which is mostly early outside of their NLCS appearance, in which they lost the seventh game, we won't be happy in five years because eventually we'll say you have to win. But yeah, there is a track record of success. If you go back to when David Stearns took over in Milwaukee, he took over a team that went 68 and 94. So a little bit worse in terms of record as compared to the Met team he took over. In his first year as general manager, they improved by five games, 73 and 89. Still not very good, but they did improve by five games. The following year is when they made the big jump. They improved by 13 games. They didn't make the playoffs, but they went 86 and 76, which I think we would agree in this era should be enough to make the postseason. Like 86 wins is kind of that number where in the world we live in with three wild cards, you're probably in. And then after that is when they put together the four consecutive postseason appearances, five out of six years. 
I think what I like about it is that it is easy in sports and in politics to try to set the bar really, really low. I think I try to do that sometimes too. It's like human nature. You set the bar low so you're never disappointed, even if it doesn't really work out that way. And I thought that those comments set the bar a little bit higher than maybe I expected. And maybe than most Met fans expect. I don't think when you're in your first year as team president and you have job security, you have any reason to build the bar high. You know, you, if anything, you have reason to say, well, you know, let's blame the predecessor. I inherited a mess. It's going to take some time. So it was sort of refreshing to hear it, but I don't necessarily know if I agree with it. Now, the beauty of baseball is that no matter the season you go into, no matter how down you are on a team or on an offseason, baseball to me is one of those sports that you can look at on opening day with hope, with optimism. And I'm certainly going to paint a little bit of that as this season rolls on or this offseason rolls on because that's how I've always been as a baseball fan. Doesn't mean I think they're going to win 90 games. It means they can win 90 games. Doesn't mean I think they're going to win the World Series. It means they can win the World Series. And that's the hope that baseball supplies. I don't know right now with the constitution of this roster that I'm going to sit here and say this is a playoff team because they don't feel like a playoff team. They have more questions than answers, and they're going to have to get straight A's on those questions for things to break right, for David Stearns to be right that they're a playoff team. So I don't even agree with his vision, but I don't know. I kind of liked hearing it. I kind of liked hearing a guy say, yeah, I expect that we're a playoff team. Because if they're not, that's an admission of failure. So we shall see. Now, let's get to this bullpen. The geekiest part of a baseball offseason. <laughs> the, the geekiest discussion maybe we'll have all offseason here on the Rico. David Stearns collected a lot of names over the last few weeks and few months. Some non-roster invitees like Danny Young and Chad Smith and Yaxel Rios and Cole Salser, a lot of names. Then there are some bigger names, some guys that have been in the major leagues that maybe we're more familiar with, guys like Jorge Lopez, guys like Michael Tonkin. But when you add it all together, you've got a lot of options on the menu in building a bullpen. Received an email at therecob at gmail.com last week who said, hey, I've lost track about all these additions. Let's break down the bullpen. So let's break it down, and I'll tell you how I kind of prepared this. I broke it down into tiers. Because there are guys that are going to be in the New York Mets bullpen. They're going to be there. You may not like them. You may not like their careers. You may think they suck. But right now, based on contracts, based on options, based on reality, they're going to be in the Met bullpen. So let's start with the mortal locks for the Met bullpen. Okay? We got like five different tiers. But we're going to start with the lock tier. Get those guys out of the way. Number one Edwin Diaz. You remember him? Do you remember Edwin Diaz, Pete? Remember that guy? I, I think I, I think I remember that guy. I think, yeah. Number 39? I believe that's right. Yeah. Edwin Diaz, it's been so long we forget this, was a guy that we loved, then we hated, then we sort of liked him, then we hated him again, then we loved him, and then our heart broke with him when he missed all of last season after celebrating in the World Baseball Classic. I, I think what we forget is that what Edwin Diaz did in 2022 was an amazingly dominant and historic season. He was reliable, something he never really accomplished in his first years here. He put up a microscopic 1.31 ERA 
He struck out an ungodly 17 guys per nine innings. And I also thought what was really impressive about him in 2022 that we shouldn't forget because it's been a while is that Buck Showalter used him in many different ways. He was not just a closer. He was the fireman. He was the guy that, hey, there's guys on base in the eighth inning. I'm going to use him here. Hey, big spot in the game is in the eighth inning instead of the ninth inning. I'm going to use him here. Even if he throws a lot of pitches, I may not use him for the ninth inning. It may not be a five-out save, but I'll go get these big outs now. I'll worry about the ninth inning later. And not all closers can do that. You know, Josh Hader, who's still a free agent, is one of those guys that hasn't done that. Edwin Diaz did that. So not only did he have this dominant season with a 1-3 ERA and a ridiculous amount of strikeouts and an insanely low whip, but he was used at all times, and he put out every fire. Can he do that in 2024? It feels like that's asking a lot. Like, can he be really good in 2024? Yes. I don't know if missing an entire season is going to be this incredibly big setback. I don't think he's going to turn into what he was in the second half of 2019 where he was unpitchable. But I think what, and I remember saying this going into 23, so this isn't very different. It seems unrealistic to expect him to do the same thing as he did in 2022, especially off of missing an entire season. So my expectation for Edwin Diaz is he's going to be their best reliever. They're going to use him in all kinds of matters. I expect that Carlos Mendoza would be consistent with that. And I think he'll have a good year. I don't know if he's going to have a 1.31 year, but he is a lock for the New York Mets bullpen. Got that out of the way. Yeah. Doesn't that feel good to even have him around and talk about him? Yes. Yeah, but the way you make it sound is like, boy, we need a hell of a lot more because don't expect the 2022 Edwin Diaz. Hey, even if he is 2022 Edwin Diaz, you're going to need a hell of a lot more. Like the Mets success in 2022 and what their bullpen did effectively at times wasn't just him. Like Adam Adovino had a big time year. Can't ignore that. So it's more than just him, even if he isn't the guy he was or he is the guy he was in 2022. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Lock number two is Brooks Raley. He's back. And Brooks Raley had a mostly good year last year. He's one of those lefties who is not just a left-handed specialist. He can get both sides out, lefties and righties out. He had a very solid year last year. 
Uh, he sort of backed up what he did a year earlier in Tampa Bay. High two ERA, had that one stint, I think, on the injured list. Very reliable tweener guy that can get lefties out, can get righties out. He's got the greatest song for when he comes in to pitch, that country song that just I loved. I put it on my Spotify playlist. So Brooks Raley's back. You know, it's funny about Brooks Raley. Without looking it up, Pete, because I, I was sort of surprised when I saw this. Without looking it up, how old is Brooks Raley? Just guess off the top of your head. 32. 35. Wow. Like Brooks Raley is a lot older than, I don't know. In my brain, I think of early 30s. I'm with you. I almost forget he's 35 years old. And maybe it's the fact that, you know, he hasn't hit free agency. He's still arbitration eligible for like another year. And lefties can sometimes be late bloomers. But he didn't come up to the major leagues. He actually came up to the major leagues very early in his career. Back a decade ago, but then he was in the minor leagues for seven years and he didn't reemerge into the major leagues until 2020. But either way, Brooks Raley's back and he's in this bullpen. Lock number three, he's actually a free agent signing. He's brand new to this team, and that's Jorge Lopez. Jorge Lopez is a guy who, when you see his numbers from last year and it bounced around between Minnesota, Miami, and Baltimore, they're bad. And I looked at some metrics to say, well, are there good numbers to it? Are there some underlying numbers that would make you say he was unlucky? Like, the only thing was his fastball was very difficult to hit. But outside of that, like, he just had a bad year. Now, he had a really, really good season in 2022 with the Orioles. That was the year he broke out. Very good year. Didn't pitch as well when he went to Minnesota. But early 2022, Jorge Lopez started really developing into a good reliever. Because remember, early in his career, he was a starter. He was bouncing around between Milwaukee and Kansas City. And he was in Baltimore. When they finally moved into the bullpen, he put it all together. So he's coming off of a really good year in 2022, his first full year out of the bullpen, and a really crappy year in 2023. He's 30 years old. He signed a major league contract. It's a one-year deal. It's not a lot of money, but it's a major league deal. It's a one-year deal. Jorge Lopez is in the New York Met bullpen. That's it. Like, they signed him to a major league contract. He is in the bullpen. He's locked number three. So, barring any L.I. stints, I.L. stints, L.I. stints, I.L. stints, Diaz, Raley, Lopez. Three of the eight spots are already locked down. Now we get to a guy, I don't want to call him a lock, so I'm going to call him a semi-lock. And I'll explain further what I mean by that. We're talking about Pete Hoffman's favorite New York Met, Drew Smith. Drew Smith is not loved by Met fans right now, and rightfully so. A year ago, he really kind of, how do I say it nicely? He sucked. That's what it came down to. It felt like Drew Smith gave up big home runs every other week, and it was disappointing because in 2021 and even parts of 2022, especially early in the season, he looked like, hey, here's this 27, 28-year-old kid. He's putting it all together. Here's a reliable reliever. They got him in the, wasn't it the Lucas Duda trade? I think it was. One of the trades when they were dumping in 2017, 2018. Um, yeah, it was for Lucas Duda. That's right, man. What a connection. It just was last year was a major setback year, step back year for Drew Smith. And I think there are a lot of Met fans that are just done with him. They don't want him on this roster. Well, here's the deal with Drew Smith. He has no options. So the Mets cannot send Drew Smith down to the minor leagues. 
the reason he's not a full, full lock is because, and I, and I said this at the beginning of the offseason, I can see the Mets trading him in spring training. I can see a team liking some of the peripheral numbers on Drew Smith. He's only 29 years old. He's got one more year of control and saying, I'll take him because a lot of teams need bullpen help. The Mets aren't the only one. And I could definitely see the Mets saying, hey, we can get this guy back who maybe there's an extra year of control over, who maybe we like some of the numbers on, and moving him out. Are they going to DFA Drew Smith? They are not. That, that, that's not happening. When the Mets decided to tender him a contract, that to me meant he's either on the team or they're going to trade him, which, which is still possible. I would probably put it at, 65% he's on the roster, 35% the Mets work out a deal to trade Drew Smith. So he's in the lock category unless they trade him. He's not like Raley Lopez and Diaz who are clearly on the team. I mean, I, I would just be very surprised if Brooks Raley is traded. That I don't see happening. Obviously, Jorge Lopez is not going to be traded. They just signed him. That's how I view Drew Smith. Pete's got a look on his face like he's constipated. The idea of Drew Smith being on this team bothers you, doesn't it? Yeah, I have no interest. And, you know, I understand that you can't DFA him. You want to try to get value for him. But you have too many guys that are now looking for bounce back seasons. Like, I understand bullpen is so up iffy. You know, it's up and down every other year. You brought in Jorge Lopez to kind of be that guy, too. Like, he needs to have a bounce-back season. But yes. Drew, Drew Smith, I know it wasn't as bad as Lopez was last year, but we can't just bank on the fact that he'll be better this year. Well, well, keep this in mind, and the options we're about to get to, like these are the locks and the sort of lock in Drew Smith. Everyone else is going to be complete unknowns, obviously, because if you weren't an unknown, you'd be in the lock category. I think most of us would agree, besides Edwin Diaz and Brooks Raley, they have no reliability in this bullpen. Because you said it with Jorge Lopez, they need a bounce back year from him. He's coming off a bad year. He was on three different teams. Drew Smith is coming off a bad year. We'll even see if he's on the roster. They only have, and I think this is why most of us believe it would be nice to add one more reliable arm, even though reliable bullpen arms feel like an oxymoron sometimes. There's not a lot of them. But right now the Mets have two of them. They've Edwin Diaz, and they have Brooks Raley. And I'd put Brooks in that category. You know, if you don't put him in that category, that just means you hate relievers, and there's no one you would put in the reliable category because outside of the elite closers, which teams don't have multiple of them, like who fits the reliable category? But before you DFA Drew Smith and tell him to go F himself, we should listen to the rest of the options because, like I said, none of them are reliable. So our next category is called the non-option category. These are the guys that have no options left, which means either they're on the roster or the Mets get rid of them. And they offer them to every other team before they accept an invitation to the minor leagues. So these are the guys who aren't locks to make the team because just because you have no options doesn't mean, boy, we got to keep this guy. It just means you have a better chance to be on this roster than those that do have options. Because if you do have options, you don't lose the arm. And over the course of 162 games, trust me, the Mets are going to use a hell of a lot more than eight relievers. They're going <laughs> to, I should actually go back. In fact, I want to give you the number. How many different pitchers out of the bullpen, let's take the starters out, pitched for the New York Mets 
in 2023? That would be the question, right? Uh, so let me count it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Well, I want to guess, so don't say it out loud. No, no, I want you to guess as I count it up. I'm going to need a lot of time to count it up, so let me know. And by the way, just, just for the record, I'm not counting Luis Guillorme, who pitched in a game, or Danny Mendick, who pitched in two games. I want to keep them out because I don't think that's fair to the crux of this, okay? All right, all right. I'm so counting. let's go to, I'm going to say... 21 pitchers. A second. The, the relief pitchers. Obviously, they were starters. But I, I think 21 relief pitchers. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Holy crap. I think you nailed it. I think it's 21. Dude, that's two for two for me today. <laughs> oh, let's go. Adam Adovino, Brooks Raley, Drew Smith, David Robertson, Jeff Brigham, Trevor Gott, Dominic Leone, Grant Hartwig, Phil Bickford, John Curtis, Tommy Hunter, Josh Walker, uh, Stephen Nagosik, Sam Coonrod, Danny Reyes, Reed Garrett, Dennis Santana, Sean Reed Foley, Jimmy Yacobonis, Adam Kalarik, Zach Muckenhern, Vinny Natoli, Anthony Kay, DJ, DJ McFarlane, Edwin Yuseta, and Tyson Miller. What'd you get, 21? No, by the way, I, that's 26, I think. 27, okay. <laughs> and by the way, wait, and, and did you uh, include, who was the guy they brought back last year? Who? Oh, T- Tommy Hunter, you said him? Yeah, I said Tommy Hunter. Yeah. Okay, okay. So the, what I didn't include is guys who made starts. I took them out of that. You know, I took, uh, you know, the Jose Budos and the Joey Lucases because Budo made two appearances out of the bullpen. So I didn't include him because I think of Budo more as a starter. But nevertheless, 26 guys. So, so imagine we're formulating the first eight that are going to make the roster coming out of spring training. Yeah, there's going to be 18 more guys that are going to probably come up. So, yeah. Anyhow, the non-option guys. And that's, by the way, why if you like someone in the non-option list, the Mets are likely to have them on the major league roster so that they don't lose them because they want to be able to exercise the options of keeping arms around. Anyhow. Number one on the non-option list is Michael Tonkin. Michael Tonkin is the guy they brought in from the Atlanta Braves. He's had an interesting career. He's 34 years old. He's a big dude. He's six foot seven. Between 2018 and 2022, so a pretty big period of time, five years, he pitched in Japan, independent ball, and Mexico. He makes the major leagues in 2023 with the Atlanta Braves and is very pedestrian. Like he pitches, he throws a bunch of innings, has a four and a half ERA, 4.28 to be exact. He's a guy who can pitch multiple innings. And I would tell you off the top, I think he's likely to be on the major league roster. I think a guy like that who pitched as much as he did with Atlanta a year ago, he has no options left. He's 34 years old. There's a thought, ah, you know what? Get Jeremy Hefner's hands on him. Another year removed from all that experience pitching overseas and pitching an independent ball, we can get more out of him. He kind of feels like one of those innings eaters. Guy can come in and gobble up two or three innings on a night in which your bullpen is tired or a night where you don't get a lot of starting pitching. So Michael Tonkin is a non-option guy who they brought in this offseason. I think he is likely to make the Met bullpen. I should write this down, see how accurate I am with this. Yeah, (laughs) non-option. Yeah, Michael Tonkin, yes. (laughs) <laughs> not option number two is Sean Reed Foley. 
We remember Sean Reed Foley. He was one of the names I talked about. Did not pitch a lot last year. He was coming off an injury. Uh, such a small sample size. I can't tell you if he pitched well or not. Like he, he pitched eight innings. So Sean Reed Foley is out of options. Phil Bickford, another guy we talked about because he mentioned him as a guy who pitched a little bit last year. He pitched a little bit. They brought him in, Phil Bickford, after the sell-off. He was one of those relievers. So, and I and I respect this. There's a lot of Met fans listening right now to the Rico who maybe checked out late last season. And while we don't check out, I get it. I get that on, you know, July 30th, you're like, I'm done. Like, I'm not sitting here watching every freaking Met game. Phil Bickford, for those that stuck in August and September, they're very familiar with his long, beautiful blonde hair because he pitched a lot. Like, it seemed like Phil Bickford was getting in every other game. Uh, and he was very mediocre. I mean, to be quite frank with you, like there was nothing special about Phil Bickford. He's he's one of those take it or leave it guys. He's got no options left. Uh, he comes out and has a good spring training. Sure, maybe he's on this team, but there was nothing he did in the 25 games he pitched in that really jumped out at me. And here are the guys that are new. Johan Ramirez, 28 years old, pitched briefly last year. He's got great splits in his major league career against righties. So he could be a weapon if he's used the right way. 28 years old, no options. Johan Ramirez, he was one of the many arms brought in by our man David Stearns. The other guy is Max Kranich. Max Kranich is 26 years old. He had major league experience in 21 and 22 and then had Tommy John surgery. And so he missed most of last year, but he did come back late in the year. I think it was late in the year. Maybe he pitched early and then got hurt. I apologize. But he only threw 20 innings in the major leagues in 2023. 26 years old. He's a guy who I think it looks like the Mets would try to keep around. But Max Kranich's got to do something, you know, in spring training to impress you. Like, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, unfortunately, because he doesn't have options, if he doesn't make the team, what do you do? But he's young enough where I would think the Mets would try to hold on to him. But he only pitched in the minor leagues last year and has a little bit of major league experience in 2021 and 2022. So those are the non-option candidates. Then you've got the option candidates. These are the guys that you could easily send down to the minor leagues. Austin Adams, who I think has a really good chance to make this team. Austin Adams is one of the guys that the Mets picked up this offseason. He's one of the newer additions. He signed a split contract, which means if he's in the major leagues, he makes a certain amount. If he's in the minor leagues, he makes a, a different amount. He was on the Diamondbacks last year, pitched about 17 innings, had a 570 RA, but his FIP was pretty good. So maybe the Mets think he pitched into some bad luck. He's 33 years old. Austin Adams, Josh Walker, a guy we saw last year, a left-hander, briefly at the major league level. Reed Garrett, 31 years old. We saw him briefly last year, too, at the major league level. He's got options. Grant Hartwig, who it felt like we saw a lot of Grant Hartwig last year. If I had to guess, I'll look at the numbers. It feels like we saw more of Grant Hartwig than we really needed. Yeah, 28 appearances, 35 innings, a 4.84 ERA. And then you've got Kyle Crick. Kyle Crick is one of the newer additions. He's 31. He's got a pretty good slider. Fastball only tops out at 8, 92 miles an hour. He's a 31-year-old right-hander that they added. Kyle Crick. Those are the guys with options. Then you've got the non-roster guys, the guys that the Mets acquired but are in the minor leagues. 
So they're not even on the 40-man roster. So if they have a good spring training, you have to then add them to the 40-man roster. Cole Salser is one of those guys. Yaxiel Rios is one of those guys. Chad Smith, Danny Young, and Cam Robinson. And Andre Scrub. Who could forget Andre Scrub? He got a lot of attention because his name is Scrub. Andre Scrub pitched in Mexico last year. So these are... (laughs) These are all of the options that the Mets are looking at going into the start of the season. The other possibility that I do think has a level of importance is having one of your swing guys make the team as a long reliever slash he can be inserted into the rotation at any moment. So right now, I think we'd all agree Tyler McGill I shouldn't say we all agree. Tyler McGill, Joey Lucchese, and Jose Budo. I think all three of them, and I'll let Pete decide who he kind of prefers. All three of those guys are guys that, barring injuries, are not on the rotation, and they're starters. They kind of fit that swing category. They all have options, if I'm not mistaken, so they all can be sent down to the minor leagues, McGill, Lucchese, and Budo, and they are clearly, hey, if something doesn't, work with Luis Severino, he gets hurt. Sean Manaya gets hurt. Knock on wood. Dare I say one of our key guys at Jose Quintana or Kodai Senga gets hurt. These are, the to me, the first three guys that get starts. I'd love for it to be Mike Vassell and Christian Scott and some of the younger guys, but I still think that those guys will get the first crack at it. But before they get a crack at starting, and I definitely like this idea, one of those guys can make the team as a long reliever, slash, hey, they need to be inserted into the rotation. They're already on the team. The negative with that is if they don't pitch a lot, which is a good thing because it means your rotation's eating up innings, and they're not forced to ever stretch themselves out, they may not be prepared necessarily to fill a spot in the rotation. But considering how many, I don't want to say crappy, that's not fair, how many unknown arms the Mets have in trying to fill out this bullpen, the idea of a McGill, Lucchese, or Budo being in that bullpen slash swing spot feels a lot better than maybe Kyle Crick or Grant Hartwig having that spot. I think I'd put McGill over those three, or maybe Lucchese. Actually, i go back and forth on it because all three of them showed a little bit of signs last year. Jose Budo pitched really well in September. Joey Lucchese was pretty good. Tyler McGill had his moments, but I guess any of those three guys, maybe two of them, could actually make the bullpen if you want to use them as long relievers. Well, first of all, you're dogging Kyle Crick. If I'm correct, a few years ago, wasn't he somebody that we were all like hoping to be trading for? Like, or we saw him, maybe it was fancy baseball. I can't remember, but I thought Kyle Crick had like a fantastic one season where everyone was kind of had a major crush on him. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, as far as the, those three, I'm going to put McGill at the bottom of the list, actually. I don't trust him enough. For bullpen duties. I, I by, wanted- by the way, just, just to answer your point, Kyle Crick didn't pitch in the major leagues last year. He was briefly in the major leagues in 2022, uh, sort of briefly in 2021, pitched very briefly in 2020. The year you're talking about, because he did have a, one really good year, was all the way back in 2018. He pitched 60 in a third innings to a 2.39 ERA. So he definitely had success. The problem was it was six years ago. <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, 
Uh, if you, you combine all of Austin Adams' uh, innings, he's never had success. So, <laughs> I mean, I fair enough. I, I don't know. I apologize. So you don't trust Tyler McGill? Is that what you were saying? I'm sorry. I was saying I don't. Yeah, I don't trust Tyler McGill as far as bullpen goes. Like I, you know, you want to give him the start start here or there. That's fine. If it's bullpen related, I feel like Budo may be the best option. His numbers were clearly the best out of all three. Uh, I I like Lucchese the most. I think that he can give you the most success as far as a pitcher in a starting rotation. But as a bullpen guy, being that swing guy, going back and forth, I think Budo's the guy. Well, it's also interesting that you don't necessarily have to use them as swing guys. Like, I I suggested that, that that's a possibility. But the truth is, especially since David Stearns has made it clear, hey, a lot of this is about the young guys. And, you know, Christian Scott and Mike Vassell, they could all be up here at some point making major league starts. You could make a firm decision on Tyler McGill and say that's a reliever. Like, hey, Tyler, this is what we're going to turn you into because a lot of really good relievers, are failed starting pitchers. That that used to be a much more popular thing in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, but it's still the case. Like, I know more times than not, guys are now groomed as relievers when they're real young, but there's a lot of starting pitchers who maybe failed as too strong, but mediocre, who turn into bullpen arms that turn out to be really, really good. And I know it didn't work in the brief time we saw him in 2022 because he got hurt, but I was intrigued by McGill out of the bullpen. You know, big guy, Top out at 99 miles an hour, not have to rely on three pitches. You kind of short it down to two pitches. I thought McGill had high potential as a short reliever. And because the Mets may look at Budo and Lucchese, plus the emergence of Scott and Vassal and Tidwell, they may say, you know what? We got a lot of starting pitching options. And who knows? Maybe they do add another guy before spring training starts, another guy or two. There's still so many free agents available. It's ridiculous that do they view McGill or Budo or Lucchese, but I'm more intrigued by McGill as a reliever and make him a reliever going into spring training. And that may not be the worst idea because we go through those names. If you assume there's only three lock spots, that means you got a five spots. You have to fill with a lot of guys. I just threw out you. And what the hell do you expect from them? That's a lot of open spots in a bullpen going into spring training. So it may be smart to take a McGill and say, you know what? You're a short reliever. Let's see what you got. Well, that's why they went and had a crazy offseason of filling up the minor leagues. I mean, and which, by the way, the one thing I do love about Stearns, he is not afraid to, I mean, Cooper Hummel, I mean, he was a great Met, you know, once. When he, I, I I remember he, I remember his tweet. I think he was really excited to be part of the Mets, and that that was short lived because they had to make room for other people. So I like the fact that that Stearns, and I don't know it's just minor league nonsense, but is going to go out of his way to fill the best, fill fill up the roster with the best possible. Even that means starting lower and they go up top. The Mets. And this is why at the start of this pod, we talked about David Stearns' comments. The New York Mets could hit home run after home run with this bullpen. Kyle Crick could have a dominant season, right? Josh Walker could emerge as one of the best lefty relievers in baseball. There's a lot of crazy shit that happens in baseball. But right now, when you think about what's in this bullpen and what you trust, Edwin Diaz, Brooks Raley, maybe Jorge Lopez, That's it. Like, you are making an assumption 
for them to be a playoff team. And it can happen. It's bullpens. I'm the first one to admit it can happen. But you need, of all those names I mentioned, and maybe there's a few I didn't because there may be more additions before the start of the season, you're going to need five of those guys to hit. Like, you're going to need four, five may be too much, Pete, but over the course of a season, you're using so many relievers, you're going to need three guys that you don't expect to be damn good. Because on a nightly basis, if Kodai Senga has to throw 105 pitches through five innings and you lead three to two going into the sixth inning, and now Carlos Mendoza says, okay, bullpen time, who's walking through that door? Is Phil Bickford walking through that door? Is Johan Ramirez walking through that door? Is Michael Tonkin walking through that door? Obviously, in the ninth or the eighth, it's Edwin Diaz. Brooks really before that. It's a part of why I would love to add another arm. Like, or two, to be honest with you. If they could add two reliable bullpen arms, I think we would view this pen very, very differently. But again, they've got three and a half locks for this bullpen. And ask yourself right now, how much do you trust them? Edwin Diaz, Brooks Raley, Jorge Lopez, maybe Drew Smith. I mean, listen, but you said you'd like to add another bullpen or two. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. They know that they're going to have to use a ton of bullpen arms. And you look at who's available right now. And listen, there is a bunch of names out there. But, like, for example, I saw... Hector uh, Neris is Hector looking. Neris. He's asking for a lot of money. Yeah, yeah three year deal, fifty million dollars. Like, why do I want to commit to that? I'll, nah, not saying I want to f- commit to Phil Bickford for all season long, but I'll take the risk that maybe Phil Bickford can give me twenty innings this year that are positive. You know, dude. dude I, I will tell you this about bullpen arms and adding an arm because I want to be realistic about this. One year deals. Like, I would not be in the business of handing out multi-year contracts to lottery tickets, because they are. you know. And I get what Hector Neris is asking for. Good for him. He ain't getting it from me. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not giving Hector Neris that kind of contract. And so that's why I'm not suggesting, like, the arm they need to add is Josh Hader. Like, I get it. I think it's more someone who's just more reliable than a lot of the names we're mentioning. But that's the mud bullpen. Those are some of the names that David Stearns has added. And uh, spring training will be fun <laughs> because we're going to be watching this and we're going to be having a good old time trying to build our bullpen. So you know what? I'm going to give you, I don't want to give you eight names because I do think they're going to add somebody. I'm going to predict right now in the middle of January, six names that are going to be in this bullpen. Edwin Diaz, Brooks Raley, Jorge Lopez, Drew Smith, Michael Tonkin, and Austin Adams. Those are my six guys for now. Those are the six guys. I know I really only went on a limb with like two of them or three of them, but that would be my prediction at this point. Uh, you can email the pod anytime, ricob at gmail.com. Remember, subscribe, rate, do whatever the hell you do with podcasts. We appreciate it. It certainly helps. We've got more Ricos on the way, including an examination of some of the great Yankee Mets. And that has nothing to do with the Mets officially announcing the dates of Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry's retirement ceremonies, though they do fit into that podcast, that's for sure. Uh, we will do that. And remember, the big rewatch coming up in two weeks, about two and a half weeks, we are rewatching Game 7 of the 2006 National League Championship Series. We'll read a lot of your emails, too, coming up in the next few pods. We appreciate the interaction. The B at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Rico Bro. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.